Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we continue our series, Thriving in a Time of Crisis. In episode 8, let's join Pastor Ben Workentine as we learn about how to view technology through the lens of faith. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these Timeless Truths. A special welcome to those who are joining us online. It's great to have you. Let's start with a passage, set the tone for our prayer and our sermon. This is from Psalm 119. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Lord in heaven, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Pop quiz time. Five questions. You don't have to share the results with anybody. I'm not going to ask you to turn them in. But do play along. The only possible answers for any of the five are true for me, not true for me. So it's pretty simple. Kids, you can play along too. I'm going to do the same. Here we go. First question. My recreational activities are reduced due to my smartphone use. Answer for you, not the person sitting next to you. True or false for you? Number two. Because of my smartphone, my sleep quality and total sleep time has decreased. Number three, I feel restless and irritable when my smartphone is not available. Ooh, that one hit a little close to home. Number four, the first thing I think about when waking up is using my smartphone. And number five, I've been told more than once that I spend too much time on my smartphone. Well, how'd you do? Those questions are from the Smartphone Addiction Inventory. A self-administered quiz of 26 questions. We just got five of them. 26 questions meant to help people identify the level of their addiction to a device. Based on just five questions... Is it possible you're addicted to your smartphone? Let's be clear. A smartphone is an incredible piece of technology. The things you can learn and watch and do, the people you can connect with, the things that come to you through that tiny little screen are astounding. They would flabbergast somebody from 50 years ago. If you were able to transport your phone back 100 years and it would actually work, people would think you had a magic box. It's a piece of tech each of us has in our pocket. It is amazing. But that technology comes at a cost, and we got to talk about that. And it might seem like, well, what does that have to do with church? Because if you did a, a word study, if you searched the whole Bible for words like smartphone, internet, app, computer, technology even, you won't find it in here. Those words aren't in here, I looked. But don't think just because those words don't show up, this isn't a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue because technology is one of those things that plays kind of a unique role in our world in that it is created by human beings and it is used by human beings. And so because it meets those two criteria, It serves as a mirror, a mirror of our hearts, our values, our priorities. It gives us a glimpse of ourselves, and can we just all admit that the 
mirror is not showing a flattering reflection. Take one example from the grand scale. This new technology, artificial intelligence. Maybe you've read some of these headlines. Some of these artificial intelligence networks have a dark side, alternate personalities, that when these personalities come out, they give voice to some of the worst kind of vitriol. Racial slurs, prodding towards suicide, personal attacks. Where does that darkness come from? Let's be clear, just because it's named artificial intelligence, it's not actually intelligent. It's a reflection. It's mirroring the human heart back at us. That's the grand scale. Take a smaller scale, personal scale. If you were to pull out your smartphone and thumb through your favorite social media app, what would be some of the themes of the first hundred things you saw, the posts, the videos, the ads? Would there be some themes that rise to the top? Maybe you'd see a lot of things about making money or beauty and fitness. Maybe they'd be about politics, parenting, about meeting other singles in your area. You know why you see those things, right? Because a very complicated algorithm nestled in a computer bank far away has sifted through hundreds of thousands of data points on you, not your neighbor, not your friend, not the person who lives in your house with you, on you. And it said, here's what we think you'll like. It's a mirror. It's showing you what's important in your life, what you spend time looking at, reading, and watching. So what does that mirror show? It's true, technology doesn't show up in the Bible, but it is an insistently spiritual issue one that we've got to talk about and grapple with. And really, technology is kind of the end of the conversation. In order to be able to have a good conversation about technology and its role in our lives, we have to start at the beginning. We have to answer one simple question, a question we all grapple with, a question that hopefully we've all talked through, been intentional about, but if you find yourself like me, maybe more often than not, you've kind of just blindly stumbled through it. The question is this. What are you aiming for? What's your purpose? There are a lot of ways to answer that question. A lot of people who want to help you answer that question, and you can chase those down from here until kingdom come, but you won't find better answers than in the handbook written by the creator himself. And so as we turn into these pages, we find lots of aims that are worthy of our pursuit, but three of them particularly fit well with this question of technology and guide our discussion on it. So let's go into the scriptures. Let's see what they say. First, I want to take you to Proverbs. We read from Proverbs chapter 4 a moment ago, now from 16, chapter 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. This is a theme that shows up throughout Proverbs the value of wisdom. And understand, the one who writes this, Solomon, is the wisest man who has ever lived and was, by the way, fabulously wealthy. And he says, when you stack up the two, wisdom and wealth, one far outweighs the other. 
Give every penny you've got if it means that you can get wisdom. Pursue wisdom. Not knowledge, not facts and figures, but wisdom, how to apply that knowledge. How to navigate through gray and murky waters. How to value people and things appropriately. Wisdom is a worthy aim. A second worthy aim? From Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus gives freedom. He never designed you to be someone who gives over power, gives over mastery of your life to someone or something that doesn't want what's best for you. He designed you to be free. Freedom is a worthy aim. That's a worthy pursuit. Third, Colossians 1, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Don't confuse biblical freedom with anarchy. In our world today, freedom is defined by, I get to do whatever I want, you can't tell me no. That's not the way Jesus defines it. In God's kingdom, in Jesus' economy, freedom means obedience, submission, trust that God's blueprint, God's plan is better than anything I could have ever dreamed for myself. And so I obey unquestioningly, unhaltingly, I obey. Obedience is a worthy aim. So wisdom, freedom, obedience. If those are worth more than all the gold or silver you could possibly pile up in this world, how is your smartphone helping you get there? Or maybe a better way to word the question would be, how would your smartphone use, your technological use, be different if you actually pursued these three aims with passion and focus? Or... Are you addicted? In their book, Faith for Exiles, authors David Kinnaman and Mark Matlock write, Digital Babylon, that's their name throughout the book for a world that is filled with technology and emptied of Jesus. Digital Babylon strip mines human potential by making it absurdly easy to squander our most precious resource, time. We are slaves in that strip mine. As enslaved as any diamond mine in South Africa. So how are you going to get out? Maybe you've tried. You've put boundaries, the uh, time limitations on certain apps, on your phone usage. Maybe you've even go so, gone so far as to delete a social media app or to delete, uh, to, to shut down the, the video game console for a time. How did that go? Did you find that the app was reinstalled a day, a week, a month later? That the Xbox or Switch found itself turned back on before too long? It's because in this slavery, you and I cannot buy our freedom. It's far too costly. We couldn't ever afford it. This master wants to obliterate us. And we can't get out of our own way. 
but there's someone who can stand in the way, someone who could afford our freedom. And his thumbprint is throughout the scriptures. In fact, there are four eyewitness records of his life. But I want to take you to a summary of what he did for us. In Titus chapter 3, turn there with me. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. If that doesn't sound like a technology-driven world, I don't know what does. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. <laughs> Social media, anybody? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Start here. Start with love embodied. He has a name, Jesus. He was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, and he loved you in the deepest way possible. He saved you. He saved you from yourself, your slavery, your sin. He has given you a new identity, not an identity defined by the smartphone addiction index or your latest accomplishment in a video game or your latest social media post. He has given you a new identity defined by one man, Jesus Christ, more than just a man. He was true man, but also true God. He met you in those waters, the waters of baptism, at that font or one like it. And there he cleansed. You might think that's a, a nice ceremony that we do. Uh, a, a little piece of antiquity, of history, but it is far more than that. In that, those waters, as they're connected to Jesus' promise, all who have come through it have died to everything that's gone before, have died to any other master. Technology doesn't enslave us. We've died to it. And we come through those waters as a child of the living, reigning God. Think of it like working outside all day. You come in, you're, you're caked, you're grimy, you're greasy, you're full of mud and dirt, so much so that you aren't even recognizable. But then you step into that shower and it all washes away and the real you emerges. Baptism doesn't wash your body like a shower. It washes your soul. It gives you a new birth so that the you that God designed, the one who pursues wisdom, freedom, and obedience that you emerges fully alive and fully awake. You are a whole new person. And once you're anchored in that reality, a reality that I can't earn, I can't deserve by myself, a reality spoken over you, given to you, and one you hold onto by faith, itself a gift, only then can I start to disentangle myself from the technology that wants to dominate me. And understand, I'm not saying get rid of all technology. I'm not expecting, there are no horse and buggies that pulled up to worship today. I'm not expecting that number to increase next week. But I am saying that when it comes to technology, it deserves us to be wary and skeptical. 
No longer can I afford the luxury of assuming, ah, I can handle it. Remember the very first sermon in this series when we talked about original sin, how I have been corrupted in every part of me down to the very core. And so I can't trust myself when it comes to technology. I can't trust that I'm going to use it to pursue wisdom and freedom and obedience because I know myself too well. So I trust myself less and I trust my Father, trust God more. I start with skepticism and doubt of myself. And I build from there. And if that's the place I start, what comes next? How do I get to this discussion of technology? Some thoughts. Maybe it's time for you, because of the, the grip that technology has had on you, maybe it's time for a detox, like any addiction. And you can start small, maybe it's 10 minutes a day, of leaving the phone, the computer, the AirPods, the tablet, leave it in the other room and simply be. Be present. Be present with the people around you. Be present in that moment. Be present with your God. A moment to kind of clear space a little bit for that reborn you to get some breathing room. But maybe this issue of technology is resonating with you. Maybe you're feeling that, that its grips are deeper than you'd like to admit. And you don't want to just start. You want to really get after it. I heard somebody once talk about the rule of one with technology. One hour a day, one day a week, one week a year, technology free. A rhythm of solitude, a rhythm of detox constantly reminding yourself that this thing will not be my master. I will pursue the good things in life, not escape the hard things. What's the worst that can happen? Are you really going to miss that much? Is the world going to pass you by in that, that hour or that day or that week? Balance that against what you might actually gain. You might actually gain being able to cook a really good meal and savor it with somebody you love. You might gain pulling out an old board game, dusting it off, and playing with your roommate, with a family member. You might gain an opportunity to drive across town and go see a friend you haven't seen for a while and grab coffee together. Those don't sound too bad to me. And that's all what's above the surface. Underneath the surface, that rhythm of solitude allows for that newborn you, that reborn you, to get some breathing room to grow and flourish before it's drowned out by everything else. Adults, we have got to get mastery over our technology and break its mastery over us. But we can't be oblivious to the impact technology is having on our kids. These are just a few comments of kids who are jealous of a phone. Because our use of technology is deeply impacting them. Not only do we use that technology and leave them staring at the logo on the back, but then we put that device, that technology into their hands and we equip them 
to go to venture into this digital world that does not want what's best for them. If we're gonna we're gonna answer that, if adults, we're gonna step up to this. Moms, dads, grandmas and grandpas, uncles and aunts, small group members, family members, friends of the family, we need to go to war. Because the people on the other side of the battle lines, they are really smart. And they know the ins and outs of a child's brain. And they want nothing more, like big tobacco of a bygone era, they want nothing more than to enslave young children to become fools and consumers. This battle is going to take everything we've got. So let's go to war. And the first step of that war is recognizing the impact that this technology is having. Just in hours of influence. Take a look at the results from a Barna study. Comparing that green box, comparing the number of screen hours influencing a modern teenager. As opposed, depending on the, whether it's red or that yellowish-orange, the number of hours in, of spiritual influence. If you're wondering, that's a 9.5 times ratio. For every one hour spent in church, kids are spending, teens are spending 10 hours on a screen. And that's in a best-case scenario. And if you're trying to figure out, do the mental math in your head, 2,767 hours equals out to every minute of every day, not sleeping, not eating, not drinking, not doing anything else, but every minute of every day for four months. That's in one year. Screens have an incredible influence, and those screens will preach sermons on every topic imaginable. Everything in identity, confidence, value, priorities, in sexual, sexuality. It has a sermon for everything. And we're allowing it to preach in our homes at a ratio of 10 to 1. It's time to suit up and go to war. And I get it, this war can feel overwhelming. All the apps influencers, downloads, all the, the channels and abilities to, to access things that are completely outside of our control can feel overwhelming. So we're here to help. At St. Mark Ministries, we see technology as both the greatest opportunity and the greatest threat, both at the same time, to transformative discipleship, which is why we're offering this Digital Families webinar. Sign up for it. Pull out your phone, scan the QR code, it's free. It's an hour on Tuesday night. It's designed for young families who have preschoolers and young kids who are thinking about technology in the future. But if you've got teenagers who are up to their eyeballs in technology, start here. Get the conversation going. And believe me, when I ask you to pull out your cell phone, the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> but make use of resources like this. We've got another one. Uh, you'll find more information out at the Connect Center if you head out that way. We've also got this printout for you. Worried, the headline of this article is Worried About Teens and Phones? 21 Helpful Questions for Parents to Ask. Grab this. Begin a good, deep conversation without judgment that really starts to mind the impact that screens are having on our young people. And I know because you are anchored in that new reality, in that 
new identity, an identity that can't go away, that can't be sacrificed, that can't be changed, you have the freedom and the courage to have hard conversations, to do hard things when it comes to technology. And believe me, the people around you need you to. Your friends need you to be there. Your coworkers need you to show up and sit at the lunch table, look them in the eye and talk to them. Your spouse, your kids, they need your presence, not diluted through a phone. And more than all the people who need you to show up for you to be present, your Savior wants you. He wants to spend time with you. Undistracted, focused, intentional time. But you've got to start in the right place. You've got to start with that new identity, with being reborn. You've got to start with the one who saved you. So as you go now into a world that is steeped in technology, as you go into difficult conversations, but important ones about technology, begin in the right place. I want to read that passage for you again from Titus chapter 3. So that as you go today, these words ring in your ears. That new identity drapes over you. Hear it again. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, I want us to read this together. Can we read it out loud so that it goes from your ear, in your ears, to in your mouth, on your heart, and in your mind? Can you read this with me? So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. You are saved. You are reborn. You are an heir. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. And be sure to tune in next week as we continue our series, Thriving in a Time of Crisis. And remember, you matter and you are loved.